Hey everybody, Magnus here. Just read the news. Chris Evans is saying that when he finishes up his Marvel contract, he's pretty much going to retire from acting. Now, I wish him all the best. But the thing is, I doubt it'll be that easy for him. There aren't very many movie studios out there who will be eager to use him as a director until he has more experience. Whether anybody likes it or not, film, especially these days, is a business venture. And with any business venture, you have to assemble what you think are the right ingredients in a way that you think mass amounts of people are going to be willing to invest themselves in. Let's face it. Everybody knows how things can play out when actors switch over to directing. There are probably more horror stories out there than there are successful ones. So in effect, Chris Evans is going to have to pretty much start all over again. He had to work his way into, into the film career he's had up to this point. And as far as entering the world of directors, he's going to have to start all over again at the bottom. And this time, his competition will be people who are younger, and have had some kind of experience directing films, TV shows, commercials, music videos, and other shit for years now. My hunch is that Evans may want to be finished with acting, but acting probably isn't finished with him. Not by a damn sight. Now, I could see Marvel allowing Evans to do stuff like direct short films in exchange for, say, a cameo appearance in one of their tentpole films. Other movie studios may have similar requirements. See, Hollywood's a very give-and-take business when it comes to this stuff. You do a movie you don't necessarily want to do in exchange for doing a movie that you do want to do. In the case of Chris Evans, I think he should expect more of that kind of quid pro quo. Sure, some other movie studio out there may be, maybe they're willing to let Evans direct a low-budget film, but that'll probably be in exchange for him being the lead in some romantic comedy or something like that that, that they're planning a year or two down the road. Of course, Evans has made himself a little harder to market now because he's made his, his dissatisfaction with acting so well-known. When you see some posters for some new Chris Evans romantic comedy, no matter what he says when he's doing the promotional shit for it, you already know he's not invested in the movie beyond the directing gig he probably got from doing the romantic comedy in the first place. And same thing if he appears in other Marvel films after his contract runs out. Sure, he maybe gets to direct Marvel short films, which is probably the first, last, and only reason he might agree to do a cameo in a new Hulk movie or something like that. You'll know that. I'll know that. And it's a good bet everybody else is going to know it too. So the marketing department will have... They're going to have to work extra hard to sell Evans as an actor. Evans will have to work extra hard to persuade people that he really wants to be there. But... In both cases, most of us won't buy it no matter what anybody says. I mean, honestly. How many of you are going to be able to watch Avengers and now and not think about how badly Chris Evans probably wanted to be 
anywhere else doing anything else. That he was probably only there because his contract demanded him to be, and no other reason. Hell, take it a step further. We're not very far away from Winter Soldier. How many of you now are, are, are slightly less invested in Winter Soldier now that Evans seems so disengaged from Captain America? Honestly, guys, it's already affected my enjoyment of those films. Not much, but a little. I'm slightly less invested in Captain America now because of all this. And understand, Captain America has been my favorite character and favorite franchise throughout this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe bit. And I loved Chris Evans in the role. That's been tarnished a little bit now. And that can't be taken back. And for the sake of argument, let's say that the perfect role comes Evans' way. Let's say it's a movie that he's very interested in doing. He's genuinely excited to do it. No matter how unhappy he is with acting in general, this movie, for some reason, it just... It scratches the itch for him. Th th he suddenly remembers all the reasons he became an actor. This movie brings that back to life for him. And maybe he's still retired from acting in general, but he wants to do this particular movie. No matter how many times he says he loved doing the movie, that he'd do it again tomorrow if he could and all that other bullshit, some number of people out there will never believe him. And if your lead actor has that kind of credibility problem, you have a major publicity problem. Anyway, look, I don't begrudge Chris Evans wanting to do something else with his time. Maybe something that he finds more artistically or personally fulfilling. I don't have a problem with that. I wish Chris Evans all the best with his career as a director. I just don't think it'll be that easy for him, for his bosses, or for us, the fans. Hey, your attention, please! This is a piece of art. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. Ah! Dr. Doom wears body to conceal his own angled form. Worst episode ever. Why? Who shot first? Who gives a shit? It's what's called super nerd nitpicking over something that's not really that important. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. Most of the time. Today, though, today I've just, I got jack shit to talk about. There's this big, long story to it, and I'm, honestly, I don't even feel like getting into it, but basically, this show was originally supposed to be something else, and that sort of just uh, withered on the vine, and... You know, like I said, it's a long, boring story, no point getting into it, but suffice it to say, there was a hole in my schedule. 
and I, I really couldn't think of anything really good to talk about, and so I thought to myself, Self, you've never really done a shoot-the-shit type of episode before where you just sit there and talk about first thing that comes to your mind. So anyway, got to thinking about it, and the, one of the first people that popped to mind was... Uh, actually, not the person who's on who's on the show right now. In fact, the, the guy that I've actually got doing the guest the guest hosting part of this show, he was my absolute dead last final choice. The guy I didn't even really want to be on the show to begin with in the first place, but yeah, he's the only one who was answering Skype. So here we are. I introduce to you the host of Dave's Daredevil Podcast, Mr. J. David Weeder himself. How are you, sir? Very good. Glad to be last in line to fill the hole. What makes you think you were last in line? Oh, no, no reason. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, basically what uh, Dave and I uh, were just talking about was the fact that I've really got not a whole lot in mind for this episode, apart from just a weird, not even all that funny a story, but just basically a, a story of uh, my trip to my LCS today. That's about the best I've got. Otherwise, uh, we're just going to see where this goes. So anyway, now for those of you who aren't listening, uh, as I said, uh, uh, Dave... J. David Weeder, but you can call him Dave. He is the host of Dave's Daredevil Podcast, which you can find at www.daredevilpodcast.com. And I have to tell you guys, this is actually a really, really good show. I don't think there are very many Daredevil podcasts going on right now, but even if even if there, there, there was another one out there, I haven't heard about it. This one is gold. And it actually kind of leads into something I've been wanting to ask you about. What was it about – I mean, you could have done a podcast about anything. So what was it about Daredevil specifically that kind of drew your attention? It was just – I take nightly drives at the end of my week because I work nights. So normally I get off about midnight, go for a drive just to clear my head for, of the week that came before. And uh, last summer, I mean, I just – I kept thinking about this Daredevil story that kept growing and growing in my head. And I suddenly realized, God, I love this character more than I thought I did. And – the more I thought about what makes Matt who he is and what makes Daredevil such a compelling read, the more I'm like, man, I've got more to say on this character than I ever thought I would. So I just started playing with the idea of doing the show and it hit the ground running and there it's not a very interesting story, but yeah, I just fell back in love with Daredevil. Oh, all right. Well, no, I mean, you know, sometimes the best shows actually have very simple origins uh, to them and... So the fact that, you know, yours doesn't have tales of betrayal and people absconding with church funds and things like that, don't worry about it. <laughs> well, he's uh, – as you mentioned, I mean there's not very many Daredevil podcasts. Christine of the other MurdochPapers.com does a show. Um, she – I mean she's – she does something different from what I do because I just pull a comic and I talk about it. Uh, right now I'm probably in the middle of my longest serialized bit that I'm going to do on the show mm -hmm. with the Frank Miller run. But – you know, there was one other show for that lasted about, I think there are 15 episodes yep. called uh, From Yellow to Red that just kind of petered out. And I saw other people who had started shows or at least had the concept of doing a Daredevil show and it just died on the vine. And I couldn't figure out why when there is, you know, with other characters, sometimes I stress as I'm opening an issue, I'm like, crap, I don't have anything to talk about here. I've got to start making the with the funny. Mm -hmm. But Daredevil no end to it. Every time I sit down, I'm like, well, I got this, 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 and this. And that's before I've even really got through the issue. <laughs> right. Well, and there there was another um, Daredevil show that, that was going for I was actually very fixated on it. It was called Speak of the Devil uh, Through the Legion of Dudes. Did you ever listen to that? 
I didn't listen to it, but I'd heard about it when I was double checking if there were there was another Daredevil show out there. Well, uh, basically, they kind of gave up the ghost toward, and I'm going off memory here, but I, I swear to think this is right. They pretty much called it a day toward the uh, t- not after Shadowland, but it was like maybe the last, like the next to last, or maybe the last month of it. That's when they pretty much just hung it up. And I was kind of upset about that, number one, because they didn't really finish the story, and that kind of pissed me off. But, And I'm sure they had their reasons. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying that, you know, me being the OCD podcast listener that I am, I like people to at least finish the fucking storyline that they're in. And they didn't. But the impression that I got was that the hosts of that show, the names, all, by the way, all escaped me, so that's why I'm calling them the Speak of the Devil people. I got the idea they just really were not into goings-on with Shadowland. In fact, it, it kind of felt like Shadowland was the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of Daredevil fans. And I never really understood why that is. But that's – apparently – I'm reading between the lines, but that seems to be the way they felt about it. I, I, I You probably won't hear me cover that on, on Dave's Daredevil podcast because it wasn't a breaking point, but it was just sort of that moment of, geez, I hope they fix this. Wow. Okay. So I guess I am. I, I am alone on that one. All right. Well, look, I, I'm not trying to second guess people who didn't like the story, but I guess I, I, I guess I don't get it. You know, I mean, there are so many stories out there already where Matt gets completely dis- uh, torn apart and he has to rebuild himself from the ground up. This is basically just another one in the list. And then, by the way, there's a paranormal kind of demonic aspect to it. But otherwise, it's very similar to stories that we've already read. I mean, if if none of those were enough to push somebody over the edge, I don't see what about Shadowland would. Well, I'll agree. I mean, it didn't push me over the edge. But at the same time, my interest in the going the ongoing series had kind of petered out midway through Bendis's run. Really? I mean, I mean, I don't hate Bendis's run. I have no issue. It was just so drawn out, and there were interesting, there were great things put on the table, but it was just, it's kind of like going through. I'm trying to think of a good food allergy uh, analogy. You have a soup, and you have one part of a soup that's just phenomenal. Like you have a beef stew, and the beef in it's great. Everything else is okay. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of want to skip to the beef, and it gets harder and harder as you're going through there to get that slab of meat. I see. It was okay. just really watered down. It wasn't, I mean, was not in any way, shape, or form horrible, but it was just get to the point already. Yeah, and I, I, I get that. I read a good bit of uh, Bendis's run in, in trade form, so just keep in mind that I'm maybe, I, I did, I wasn't there month to month like a lot of people were, so maybe, maybe that's the difference. But honestly, and I realize this is maybe going to piss some people off, but as far as, I, my vision of Daredevil, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I would actually place um, the Brian Michael Bendis run, and God knows Ed Brubaker. I would definitely place those two actually ahead of Miller as far as my favorites are concerned. It just kind of felt to me like that's what I wanted from Daredevil, at least at that moment. I can see at that time because it was it was re- I mean I was really digging it for a while and then that just ground slowly slowly to a halt. So, <laughs> well, fair enough. With Miller's, I mean, all of the precepts that that Bendis was playing with did come from Miller, and that seemed to be the edict for a long time. Do what Miller did; that worked. 
And then you saw Kevin Smith try something different and it slowly faded back into do what Miller did. And as much as I liked the Miller material and as innovative as it was for the character and how much it added to the character, I was ready to move on from that. Well, and, fair we, enough. and that actually kind of leads into something I've wanted – of all people, I, I figured you're one of the few that I could ask about this. The the Frank Miller run, in my opinion, you know, it, it it's really good. It's very enjoyable, all of that. And it definitely reinvented the character, re-energized maybe. Um, the long term, though, was this good for Daredevil? Ooh, that's a really good question. N- no, but it wasn't bad for him. It really, it yeah, it it's kind of, uh, it sparked the interest in the character. It did push the character. But beyond Anne Nascenti, who tried to sprinkle in some new aspects to it, mm-hmm. it really was just everybody went back to that same toolbox. And the thing that made the Miller run so famous was he tried new things. He added new aspects. He added stick. He added the hand. And everybody kept going back to that same box. And as I mentioned, Anne Nascenti, for as much as she's criticized, she tried new things. She added a consistent voice to it while it felt like the editors were still sitting on her. And normally you have to pay 30 bucks extra for that. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, look, I've I've heard – I think it was Thomas DJ. He really does not have a whole lot of nice things to say about Anne Nascenti. And you know what? Look, he's lived with the character a lot longer than I have. Mm-hmm. And I'm obviously reading all her stuff sort of in retrospect. So just keep in mind, I'm coming at this from maybe a different angle than he is. But it just kind of felt to me like Anne Nascenti, like you said, she wanted to bring a different voice to the – I don't know, maybe a different tone. Mm-hmm. within certain limitations and within certain constraints. She basically did the best she could with what she had to work with. And one of the things that she had to work with was John Romita Jr.'s art. And at least, at, you know, John Romita Jr. in that vintage, mm-hmm. I don't see that as a bad thing at all. And no. so, you know, <laughs> that was definitely one of, I mean, even if you don't necessarily like the writing, at least the pictures are pretty, right? And so I always, I mean, and again, I'm not the one that had to live with this, you know, so I'm, I, I, I'm more than willing to step off of Thomas DJ's nuts and just let him have his thing. But I'm just saying that, you know, I'm looking at her run from a very different point of view, I think, than than he is. Yeah, there's a difference between experiencing it when it's coming out and that's your only fix for the month and being able to go through a swash of issues and have that build up and kind of have a reflection on a whole sequence rather than waiting 30 days between segments. Right. Well, and, you know, and, and that was actually uh, to kind of tie that back to, to Bendis, you know, one of the things that it's, it's kind of easy to forget whenever you're holding a huge stack of comics in your hands, like just a huge run of comics is that this is not just a huge run of comics. I mean, this is a huge span of time. You know, it's, to you, it's 12 comics. To it was, God knows in today's world, that may actually be more than a year's worth of stories. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes – I don't know why, but for some reason, it's sometimes, it's sometimes a little hard to keep, to keep in mind that you know, this was told in these little bursts, these little chunks. And it, sometimes getting through that stuff could be a real slog, whereas if you're going through it in a trade, it's only 
20 or so pages, and maybe those 20 or so pages didn't add up to much in terms of your overall impression, but they still needed to be there, and you're getting the full effect of everything that came later. So, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that has a... Actually, and you know what? Shit, that could actually be a show unto itself right there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know the, dif- like, the difference in perception of reading something month to month versus in trades years after the fact. So, I don't know. Well, of but, course, I'm I'm going through. I mean, the, I'm not. I, you mentioned going to the LCS. I don't really. I mean, I go to a shop usually for peripherals, my bags and boards, statues, things like that. Um, but most of my stuff, I mean, I'm getting. I'm still doing my retro pull list, so I am trying to get that same experience of re- reading this stuff month to month, rather than sitting down in a trade. But still, I'm reading about a cover month a week, and you can still see a marked difference in that pace. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I've actually got a little bit of an LCS story, uh, and believe it or not, it's actually kind of on topic, right? Uh, Basically, what happened was I started digging through my long boxes, and one of the things I noticed uh, when when I got through my Daredevil long box, which to me, that's kind of impressive. I've got an entire long box of just Daredevil, and that's it. So... Um, but one of the, the things I noticed was that I had two copies of Daredevil number 15 from, uh, let's see, cover date is April, and I'm not even getting the year, but this is volume one, right? So I guess that's 1965? Mm-hmm. Or around there? 66, yeah. 66, okay. And I have two of these, right? I did not realize that I had two of these, and then I remembered that I did... I bought – basically, it's not really all that interesting a story, but basically I bought some guy's uh, collection off of him off eBay. He basically just taped his – he sealed his long box shut and then just sent it over. And the uh, little note in the in the auction said that I have no idea what's in this box, so there could be some really cool stuff in here. But what he said specifically that got my attention was that – and I know there was some Daredevil stuff in there as well – and so I thought, well, this is great. I need to fill in, you know, a lot of holes. I've got kind of a shotgun blast of uh, comics, but ranging from 100 to 200. I've got, you know, it, it's not exactly every other issue, but it's it's just kind of peppered. It's nowhere near a, a, a complete run. It's just sort of stretched throughout, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, if anything like that's in there, that's great. You know, I could just sell the shit that I don't want, keep what I do want, and. Uh, And I was paying like 10 bucks for this thing, so there's no way I'm not going to be able to make my money back pretty easily, right? And sure enough, one of the things that came – or of all of the stuff that came through there, not a single one of them was ranged from number 100 to 200. It was all basically below 100, and a lot of that was stuff that that I needed and didn't have, but one of them was a duplicate, Daredevil number 15, right? I only realized that today. And so pulled it out, figured out which of the two was in the worst condition, took the shitty one to um, my LCS, and I actually unloaded it for uh, 20 bucks. So Ooh, Doubled your money, plus yeah. got back issues. Yeah. So uh, from here on in – and I actually I think I already got my money back on the purchase. So this is actually – now I'm actually in profit. And how often are you in profit with these things, right? So anyway, so but that's my little Daredevil adventure story for the day. And uh, so, uh, thank you, Stan Lee. And who was it? Art Samek or who drew? Oh, John Romita. That's yeah. That's gonna say that's Romita. <laughs> oh, Art Samek. He's the letterer, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, letterer, colorist. 
He's one of those blurry guys in the background. All right, there you go. <laughs> anyway, and so, uh, yeah, so there's my little Daredevil contribution for the day. I actually felt really good about that. So now, after you and I get finished, I'm actually going to uh, pick up some grub with my girlfriend. So thank you, Daredevil. See, it's weird. I don't, I don't usually sell my comics. I will normally, if somebody is, I mean, if I have a friend that will read it and, and like it, here you go. I actually uh, not right now. I'm actually stacking up anything that doesn't fit into my runs. I have a box, so when I finish restoring my comic spinner rack, they'll just fill that up. But typically, if, if I've read a trade and I'm satisfied with it, move it along. All right. So I'm wondering how much money I'm shooting myself in the foot for. Well, do you have any duplicates or? Not very many. No, uh, most of the duplicates I have are well, they're crap. Oh, all right. All right. Well. It's not that I disapprove of that philosophy, although I disapprove of anybody who does things other than the way I would do them. But it's not that I like don't approve of that. But I guess like my the reason I don't do that is because a lot of my friends, I, I they wouldn't like it very much if they heard me say it. But I kind of question their fandom because they don't really seem to be all that interested in comics. Right now, they like the movies and the TV shows and all that stuff, and you know, whatever. But as far as collecting comics, not really, you know. Mm. And so, if I give either, and I don't think either of them are really big on Daredevil to begin with, but even if I, even if they were, knowing that they don't really like comics, it just kind of feels like you want this to at least find a home, somebody who's going to enjoy it, and I don't know. And and plus, I mean, the damn thing's almost fifty years old. Are they really going to – I mean, it's not in the greatest condition to begin with. Are either of them really going to take good care of it? I don't know. So it's just little things like that, I guess. What's the uh, what's the earliest Daredevil issue you have? Uh, number one. Oh, really? Yeah. Volume but it has one. the yellow costume. Yeah, volume one, number <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kid you not. That's what stopped me from buying that several on several occasions. When I find myself a little flush, I, I think, ah, oh, Daredevil number one, it's kind of the – you know, the bucket list of collectibles, you have certain lists that's on there. Mm -hmm. And I keep coming back to, you know, I have my issue number seven. I'm like, no, I'm good there. <laughs> I'm good. Right. And it's the yellow costume that stymies it for me. And I, I don't outright hate the costume, but I just can't get on board with it. And I understand that. And <clears throat> my my way of rationalizing it, well, actually, there are, there are actually two answers to that. Uh, number one, um. My girlfriend and I had only been dating for a little while, but she fell pretty hard pretty fast. And so as it was a birthday present to me. It was sort of like the 12 days of Christmas. Well, it was like the seven days of my birthday. Every single day, it was something new, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the granddaddy, like the main gift was Daredevil number one. I mean, I don't know that I would have ever bought it otherwise, just because to me, anything that costs more than 20 bucks is a fucking ripoff. I don't care what it is. If it's a house or a car, if it costs more than $20, fuck it, you know? And so this is, um, so basically to spend all of that money on a comic, I don't know. So that's not something I don't think I would have bought like for myself, but she she picked it up, and so why not do it, right? I kind of want to applaud her right now, like because, it, <laughs> because yeah. I, I I see a lot of you know friends who are they're they're blocked by their significant other in one way or shape one shape, way shape or form. Mm -hmm. Now my wife, she'll have certain points where she's like, okay, you need to stop. 
we can't buy a life-size model of Superman. We don't have $10,000 to spend on that. And I understand that, but, <laughs> you know, significant others that just, they take that away. And I get overspending and being sensible, but I mean, it's just, they don't want them to be invested in that. And I, I think I would probably bounce somebody out the door. So <laughs> right good on her. We're not yeah. only supporting, but, 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 you know, continuing to promote that. Um, well, she's a, um, a collector herself. And so she, this isn't the kind of thing that I have to encourage in her. Uh, she's kind of already there herself. In fact, did I ever tell you how we met? <clears throat> no, I, not that I recall. Well, uh, basically what happened was um, I'd made uh, plans. Actually, you know what? This is kind of a – this is sort of an epic tale of epic epicness, right? Uh, basically, I met this girl online, right? And I, I was on one of those dating websites and – I don't think I ever completely warmed up to this chick to begin with, right? But eh, she's someone to hang out with and, you know, whatever. So that's fine, right? Meanwhile, I'd made plans to see uh, the first Thor movie at midnight with my best friend, right? And so what happened was the... Night of seeing Thor is like the premiere. That's coming up. And then this chick that I was dating, basically, you know, she's like, okay, hey, yeah, I've got, you know, tickets to see Thor. And, you know, do you want to go and all this stuff? And I was like, well, a dude, I'm sort of, I'm already booked. I'm actually going to be seeing that with my, with my friend. So it's not that I don't appreciate it. I do, but I can't. I I mean, I, I, I can't. Now you can come with us if you want, but I can't see this with you without him. Is basically what I'm saying here, right? And so she just throws a fucking fit over it. Now keep in mind, this is somebody that I've only been like casually seeing for like maybe um, well, I think at that point is maybe about two months. And to me, like in my world, sixty days—that's not a relationship. That's probation. Mm -hmm. And so here she is. She's throwing her balls around and stuff, you know, telling me that. You know, this is how things are going to be, and I'm going to see it with her, and you know, blah blah blah, and just kind of laying down the law. And I was like, okay, fuck you, lady. I'm, you know, you don't own me. You know, anyway. So whatever happened happened, and I ended up dumping the lunatic. And so I'm telling you, this. There were other things that happened. I'll, I'll spare you, but this bitch is nuts. All right, is what it comes down to. And so I am single now, like of like totally completely single, for something like. Not it, it was not even 24 hours, right? And, you know, it's time to go see Thor. <clears throat> now, a friend of mine, uh, this, this, this friend that I'm seeing the movie with, and his roommate, we all went out to, uh, to dinner together. And they said, oh, yeah, by the way, this, uh, this girl is, is going to be uh, – she's going to meet us there, right? And the roommate told me that. And he's like, yeah, you know, this, this friend of mine, you know, she's going to meet us there and all this, and uh, she wants to see the movie. Which, you know, whatever, the more the merrier, right? And um, so that's – that literally, that's about as much as I thought about it, right? I was like, oh, well, it's another one of his you know, girlfriends, and he's always starting up with somebody new. He's, he's one of those guys, right? He cannot keep a, ma uh, a relationship going for any significant length of time. He's al he always has to dump her and find somebody else. He's one of those guys. And that's – and so like I didn't really think a whole lot about it beyond that. And so we get to the movie theater. 
And I meet this chick, and we just kind of hit it off right then and there. I mean, she likes the same comics that I do. She likes uh, – she likes. I, I'm one of the very few people I know who enjoys Lois and Clark, the TV show Lois and Clark. Oh, add me and Michael Bailey to that list too. Okay, well, all right. Well, Dos Moss. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, always, I always got the impression he had a an, a sort of uneasy acceptance of certain aspects of it, but I don't know that he was ever – overly fond of the show right whereas this girl is like a fan right all of it and so anyhow so basically one thing led to another and so we ended up having coffee and here we are it's been we're closing in on uh three years now so yeah so you realize though what she's done like it's mass it's a master stroke what's that you're three years in now which means there's going to come a point when you've got to make a decision. By buying you Daredevil number one that early, she's made it so that if you were to propose, you've got to bring it up to 11. Like, I want to applaud her. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I did have an idea for a, for a proposing, right? Basically, uh, she and I go to cons together all the time. And so at a lot of these cons, you see a lot of different Star Trek uh, cast members and stuff. And so what I was hoping I could do somehow was finagle it so that maybe during a, a Patrick Stewart's Q&A, you know, she and I can find, figure out a way to work ourselves into it, right? And, uh, you know, so I'm up there having a conversation with Patrick Stewart, and then he calls her up. Oh, this is your girlfriend. Well, that's, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and then I have this big romantic speech, get down on one knee, pull out the ring. And I, I know she's going to say yes, and so once – once the ring slides onto her ring finger, Patrick Stewart says, engage. Yes. <laughs> if you make that happen, A, film it, <laughs> B, put it to YouTube, and then Trent just wins the internets. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, was, that was one idea I, uh, I had, but I don't know. Uh, she listens to this show, and so I guess, actually, I guess I can't do this now. So You just blocked yourself, dude. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lead you down that path. Well, it is your fault, so... Well, anyway, so uh, but yeah, that was basically uh, that. That's that's how we met, and so all all this time. So <sighs> my my meeting my wife is not interesting in terms of of fandom. However, I did date a fellow collector for a while, and we kind of knew it was going to be casual. That you know we were invested in each other, but we're not going to go the distance. Mm-hmm. We were just enjoying each other's company. And uh, one day I was kind of explaining this scenario that we were both aware of and both okay with. I was explaining it in terms of Batman and Robin. And like, you know, Batman always needs a Robin to some extent, some version of Robin. You know, sometimes you find your Dick Grayson who evolves into their own person and a different kind of different aspect of your life. And I explained that she was my Jason Todd. That ended badly. I should imagine. Yeah. Because I didn't realize she would catch the full ramifications of that, you know, that, you know, you're here for a while. And uh, the funniest part of that was one friend, I told a friend who told a friend, eventually I go into one of my, well, it's no longer here now, but an LCS that was here at what at that time. And we were talking and the person says, you know, I heard this guy telling his girlfriend she was his Jason Todd. I'm like, oh, hell. So I had to kind of soft shoe it out. So I, I didn't cop to it there, but I'm copping <laughs> to it now. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so I, I became a little bit of, of lore in my local fandom. 
<laughs> it's great. Well, now, do you and your wife ever go to cons or anything like that? We don't have that many cons locally. There's one going on now, but you you might as well be calling it fuck con because that's what everybody goes there to do. And it's more of a gaming con, and I'm just not a I'm not a gamer. I don't have the attention span for it. Uh, closest normal con would be Kansas City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be great, and then I realize, crap, there's going to be crowds there. So no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, well, <laughs> she has a certain level of nerdiness. She'll watch Doctor Who. She, we sat down and watched The Flash and Lois and Clark together, but I think as far as interacting, yeah, I think she would think twice. Okay, all right. Well, the reason I ask is because that's sort of been a, kind of a hallmark of Stasis Magnus, my girlfriend and I. That's been sort of a, a hallmark of our relationship is just going to cons, right? And so what ended up happening was, let's say it was, um, it was, well, it, it, it would, she and I would have gone to this con together in um, Dallas. I want to say it was back in back in may back in june of uh, last year right and then i forget what was going on i think she was sick or something like that but that was basically something that she and i were both looking forward to right because you know kevin conroy is going to be there and i've never met the guy before and i thought well you know that's that well that's going to be fun and you know you're going to have fun and there were i forget who some of the other the other guests were right but um definitely you know he was going to be there and i thought well that alone would be worth going for right and uh, I was actually kind of disappointed that you know she couldn't that she couldn't actually come to Dallas because I, it, it's just it's one of those things that once you kind of get into this habit with your with, with your other, it's kind of hard whenever they're not around to do this anymore to share this with you. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. And so, but yeah, no, but we uh, for um, Comic Palooza that's going to be in. May, I think, of this year. I think that's May. And um, for Comic Palooza, she and I, we are going to go. I'm going to be uh, Waldo, and she's going to be Carmen San Diego. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because I've already got the Waldo outfit, right? So. See, I just don't have the build for cosplay. Unless I'm being, uh, I wouldn't say Dr. Octopus, but more like Dr. Savannah, I think I could pull off. Really? That's a. Interesting looking person, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could shave my head more. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking you already you already had the. Uh, I thought it was uh, bald, just like au naturel, right? So okay. No, actually, no. I I mean, I keep my hair short because uh, the truth is I'm lazy and I have difficult hair. My hair is very straight, very fine, and it's just like it's just going to stand up if I don't cut it off. <laughs> I, and I, oh, I could be Doc Brown. Okay, I like okay, or Christopher Walken. I think the possibilities are starting to become endless now. Yes, well, you know, I, I, how many possibilities do you really need, need though? If if Christopher Walken's on the table, what else is there? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> You've I already mean, you, won. Yeah, you win the con at that point. So yeah, all right. <laughs> have we? Have you? I, I, I know I, I saw it on Facebook, but you've you've seen the new Flash costume that Grant is it Grant Gustin is going to wear? Yeah, or whatever the guy's name is. Yeah, I, I saw that. What what did you think of it? It took me a minute to really warm up to it because they, they took off the wings on his ears and put his symbol. After that, once I warmed up to that, I was good. See, I was friendly to that right away. Right. Oh, that was the minute I saw – I didn't even – before I even noticed that he had the that stupid-looking chin guard thing, 
obviously what they they made the focal point of the picture the um ear coverings that works for me on so fucking many levels i i i was instantly on board with that i, I don't even need to to take time to 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 adjust i'm totally fine with that but the chin well you're have you been reading or experiencing any of the new 52s flash comics um, I bowed out of the New 52 completely, uh, starting, I think, the 6th or the 7th or 8th month, something like that, and that included The Flash. Now, before then, I was – I was actually – The Flash was one of the more enjoyable books. I thought The Flash, Aquaman, and Firestorm were fucking awesome, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just – if I don't like what's going on with Superman, that sort of colors everything else. But yeah, I actually really did enjoy that Flash comic. I thought it was definitely going in some interesting directions. I loved it. Yeah, so I, I – and I actually didn't mind the design. I thought it uh, – I mean the Flash has – beside Captain Marvel, I mean it's the Shazam, Captain Marvel. They have the two best comics or comic costumes in my opinion. I just – and I guess it's something about red and yellow and a lightning bolt that gets me. But Right, yeah. I was going to say they're really not that different from each other. No, exactly. Well, the Flash's mask is what kind of makes him distinctive to me. But And I'm looking over at my statues now, so it may fade out. They – they didn't enhance the look because it wasn't broken, but they added some things that are like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like the piping that runs yellow as he gets faster. That's kind of a cool idea. And they, they are drawing from that in this costume. My only fear is it looks like right around the collar, it looks like he may be wearing a jacket. Ah, uh, that I didn't notice. Hold on. I'm going to flip back to that real quick because he's I wearing mean, so, there's some collar that may be where it meets the rest of the costume, but... Yeah, you're right. I I guess I hadn't really paid that much attention to it, but yeah, it looks like he's got – well, honestly, I mean, look, I try not to find excuses for why it's okay to modify costumes without just reason. But if you think about it, what you have is a sort of head-to-toe sort of bodysuit, mm-hmm. and like visually, you need something – especially since it's all red – you need something to – I don't know, just kind of gussy the break the, it up the, a little. Design. Yeah. Well, I would say that extends to Daredevil as well. Well, and you know what? That's you know that's actually a really good point. Because well, he needs it in the comic because the Flash is built for I mean speed. You can do speed lines and play with that. With Daredevil, you're dealing with a guy head to toe red. And you know I've always said the secret is shadow placement. Well, when you're in live action, that's completely out the window. And so people who bitch and moan about the daredevil movie need to double check you know the way he looks in the comics because do you really think the head-to-toe red spandex would have worked me personally no but (laughs) bear in mind i'm the guy that never had i honestly don't understand why that movie takes so much shit no it's not superman 4 bad it's not it's not even been batman forever you know it, it was it drew its cues from the comics for the most part, except for Elektra. I think they kind of blew their load a little too early on Elektra, but do what you got to do. Well, and, and you know what? And, and I get that, but, um, you know, I'm okay. Well, keep in mind, at the time that I saw the movie, I didn't know anything about Daredevil. I didn't care anything about Daredevil. So what little I knew about Daredevil was pretty much in that movie, right? Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, I was totally okay with everything that went on, and I thought, well, and this is years down the line, right? I thought to myself, well, now that I've read all of these Daredevil comics and stuff, and I really do consider myself a fan of the character now, 
I don't know how that movie's going to hold up for me. I rewatched the theatrical cut, you understand, not the director's cut. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? Look, is this is this Godfather Part 2? No. But it's really not what people make it out to be. I mean, look, I know from bad comic book uh, movies, right? I saw – actually, I never saw really what was so bad about Howard the Duck, but keep in mind I haven't seen that in about 30 years. But what I remembered of Howard the Duck I like. But, I mean, I'm the guy in the room. I kind of like Superman 3. I think that's a good movie. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I, I enjoy it. I, en- I found it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered. So Right. <laughs> Except for the scary robot woman, which apparently I'm not alone on. Oh, right. Well, fair enough. But – you know, it's just I'd like to think I know a bad comic book movie when I see one by now. And this to me is just it's not a bad comic book movie. And it's just it's one of those many times when I look back at at the prevailing fanboy thinking on some things and I just got to ask I mean, is it me? Am I the crazy one here? What happened, you know? It- if you're the crazy one, I'm in the boat because I, I can still watch the theatrical cut and be pretty content with it. I prefer the director's cut because it adds plot back into it. It fleshes things out. But, you know, I went to see that opening day, first showing. Ditto. And I went again that weekend. And the thing is, that build up to that movie was, I think the most recent movie that really got me that excited might have been The Avengers. But I watched the entire development wow. of this movie excited the whole time. Wow. I mean, and, and, and because I mean, I knew Daredevil. He was one of my favorite characters, and they're making a movie out of him. Hell yeah! And I thought Michael Clark Duncan was fantastic. Colin Farrell was a blast. Was mm-hmm. he quite right for Bullseye? Eh, a little off, but I didn't see a problem with what they did with the character. Well, and you know, looking back at it, like, look, I, I've read a lot of the obvious Bullseye stories, and so my view of it is that. They basically uh, did Bullseye in the comics, but just gave him a few other things. It's Bullseye in the comics, more or less, but with extra, you know? Yeah. And that, that works for me. I'm totally fine with that. Anyway, it's just, like I said, it, it's one of those things that I just don't understand where the fans are coming from on this. And it, and honestly, it's, speaking of, I mean, I can't remember being like, just out of my mind excited about it. But I remember being pretty interested to see what was coming. Comparing that to the Avengers, though, I've never heard anybody <laughs> quite say that about about uh, the run-up to Daredevil. So, cheers, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, clearly Daredevil's close to my heart. And I've always – he's always been like my little secret, you know? <laughs> right. He's that – he's kind of the girl you're dating on the side, but you don't show your friends. But you really like her. Right. And suddenly she's kind of becoming the Miss Popular. That's that's kind of the experience I was having. And everybody else was interested in it, too. So it's like, oh, now you're all coming in my world. And the, that was kind of the same with the Avengers because we had that buildup. And suddenly you had what I call mainstream, which is kind of I, – I don't mean it to be derogative, but non-fans. Yeah. That were suddenly all excited about this. And I'm like, oh, now you're on you're on my turf. And plus I the, the Avengers, I was doing the movie marathon. That was my anniversary present that year, so I, I saw it all all the movies back to back to back. We fucking to did too, badass. Yeah. One of the best experiences I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know the um, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but there is a chronology to those movies, and it's not necessarily the order in which they were released. There's some Wikipedia page that actually has the exact breakdown of when different things happen. And it's just – I guess it's a reminder to us that you really can't structure movies the same way you do comics. It just 
isn't going to work. But at the same time, they did have overlapping things like that. The one that stands out in my mind was the lightning flash that the Hulk screams at in The Incredible Hulk is the lightning flash that brought Thor to Earth. Yeah, and at the end of Iron Man 2 on the view screens as he's talking to Nick Fury, you can actually see the Culver University stuff from the Hulk. Right. Which all syncs up towards the end of Iron Man 2 when you have the Hulk happening there, the lightning bolt happening over in Thor, and they're finding the hammer. Holy hell, <laughs> you just pulled off something amazing. Right. And it's not just, you know, and, and if you just see this stuff, then maybe what you think is, and I say see it, you, you look at it really without thinking very much. Then to you, it's just, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. It's just a little Easter egg, and you don't really think too much about it. But the fact that there is, there really is a, a construction to it. It's more than just throwing in a bunch of bullshit into a movie and, you know, sort of, a, you know, winking at, at, at the moviegoers. There, there, there's a logic to it why it's this particular thing that they chose. And mm-hmm. it just works for me on, on that level. And obviously, you know, being a DC guy at heart, I, God, I, I, I would love to have <laughs> something like that for DC. I just don't think it's going to happen. And anyway. Yeah, that's a touchy subject <laughs> well the entire superman batman thing has been that's been a hell. fucking roller coaster dude yeah that's been a train wreck <laughs> on the roller coaster well i'm the guy in the room that's determined to give it a to give it a shot well i see i mean you know i'm a dc i'm originally a dc guy by heart i'm gonna go see it there's no doubt in my mind i'm not gonna miss out on a superman movie no matter who else is in it and a lot of people it feels like they turn on you like oh uh, you don't you don't want a, fan, a team up movie no I do I just don't want that to be the Man of Steel sequel I want Superman to be developed on his own terms yeah I'm if, the if guy that, that that said that actually yeah if you're if you're making your own movie if it's a straight up team up movie that's just in the same continuity we're cool in the gang I'm fine with that and I'm hoping that they they do kind of pursue that a little bit more well the way I look at it is is this I was really hyped well let me rephrase that i was not hyped for superman returns i wanted to be hyped for superman returns i wanted to be excited and up for the game and everything it's just sometimes you don't even need to know and and this is one of the reasons why i kind of have to go easy on the shall we say the naysayers of the world's finest movie or man of steel 2 or whatever it's going to be on this one issue i kind of have to cut them some slack because I look back on my experience with Superman Returns and the minute Brian Singer was announced as the director, I knew, you know what, I am probably not going to like this movie. And every single bit of news that came down the pipeline, every leaked picture or officially released picture or whatever else, it only reinforced this idea I had that this whoever this movie is intended for ain't me. And that would have been fine if I'd had, you know, an entire lifetime of cool Superman movies behind me, but I didn't. The last time, the only Superman movie I ever managed to actually see in theaters was Superman 4, and that was it. Same here, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I was six years old at the time, so I didn't know that that movie really did not exactly turn out the way it could have. And so I didn't... I, it, I didn't think in those terms, right? But 
going into Superman Returns, I mean, I was 25, and God, I just, I wanted this movie to be good so bad, and it was a real letdown. And so, when Man of Steel came along, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm interested, but as far as being, like, emotionally invested and I really give a shit, I mean, I'm sorry, I got burned so badly on on Superman Returns. I mean, Man of Steel could have been everything I've ever wanted in a Superman film. But it's just by then the damage was done. And honestly, the way I was looking at it by that point was I had, let me think, like 10. The Superman and the Silver Age, I think, lasted like 10 or 11 years. And then the Bronze Age, that's another 15 years. That's 25. And then we had another uh, 20 years with the Burn Age. All of that I consider to be my Superman, right? So I've got like, what, what, what is that, like 45 years worth of shit to choose from in the comics? Yeah. And then I had, um, by the time Man of Steel came out, all 10 seasons of Smallville, all four seasons of Lois and Clark, I had the animated series. I mean, bottom line, I don't need Man of Steel. It's nice to have it, but I just, there's a sense in which I kind of don't care about it anymore. You know, I... If this movie had come out in 2006, buddy, I would be singing a very different tune. But it's just, you know, by then, and it's actually something I'm, now I'm kind of worried, uh, not, well, not worried, but I'm kind of wondering about where you are with it. But that's where I am right now with, with Superman, right? And it kind of makes me wonder, is this where Dave is with Daredevil with that Netflix show? You know, because, I mean, I get the idea, obviously, that you like the movie, the Daredevil movie, mm-hmm. but... I don't know that it necessarily lit, uh, just uh, lit you on fire. What are you? How are you feeling about the uh, Netflix show Daredevil? I can still pop in the movie and, and enjoy it. With the show, I'm I am excited. I'm still waiting to see a little bit more before I really jump on board. I mean, they announced so far, oh, we're going to film in New York. I'm like that's not the announcement I woke up early for. Thank you, but right. Um, I think <laughs> if they take their cues from the right place, yeah. This could be phenomenal. I mean, you have, if you look at a show like Arrow, which just kicks ass every week, there's been maybe a handful of weak episodes. Really? Everything else, at least the cliffhanger at the end of the episode will get you going. You're ready for the next week. If they take their cues from that, or even Smallville, which is kind of what Arrow's building its template off of. Yeah, you've got 13 episodes to flesh this out. It's got all the potential in the world right now. Um, I am leery of fan backlash because inevitably, no matter who they cast, if they could somehow resurrect the actual Matt Murdock from the comics and put him on the screen, fans are going to bitch. I'm like, shit, I'm just going to keep my head down because the whole Man of Steel debacle is still not too distant in my mind. Because I, I was one of those that didn't jump on board with Man of Steel immediately. And last summer was, it was like a piranha tank on the, on the social networks. And it that really- brought out... It, it really was a bad side of me. So, well, and that's and and you know what? <clears throat> I, originally, I was that was something I didn't actually really want to talk about with you because you and I were sort. I don't want to say different si- or opposing sides, but I think you and I kind of had different opinions of all of that. It took me a while to jump on board with Man of Steel and accept it, but that's putting it nicely. But yeah, it's it's some a lot of people will avoid it with me, but no, we're cool. We can talk about it. Oh, okay, well, it's just it kind of felt like. After a while, and this is maybe it's just the nature of discourse on the internet. I haven't figured it out yet, but what I've noticed is that it's really hard to communicate a sort of nuanced point of view about anything. Either you love it 
or you hate it. And people can easily wrap their minds around that. Okay, this is this, this guy's on my team, this, this or he's on the other team, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so now we, you know, now I'm loaded for bear. And honestly, I feel like half the acrimony that went on with with Man of Steel, especially on the Two True Freaks page. I don't mean this to criticize anyone involved with Two True Freaks, whether it's the Two True Freaks podcast or one of or one of my fellow uh, hangers on. But it just kind of felt like everything that all the drama that that happened on that page, you could eliminate probably half of it by sitting people down face to face and and then people being able to more easily communicate their views. And there's something about being able to look somebody in the eye. You understand them so much more. Well, yeah, and and forum as well, because if you look, I I guess we can't really call that up, but what happened on the social networks was completely different from the way that I was able to sit down and rationalize it when I sat down at my microphone because mm-hmm. I was doing Superman Forever at the time. Because mm-hmm. um, I think my initial opinion, I walked out, I was underwhelmed. I had expectations of A, I got B. That's the nature of the beast. And, you know, I had... It took me a while to swallow that, you know, spoilers, Superman kills Zod. And I think some of that, and I know he did it in Superman 2, I think the presentation differed a little. I was just wasn't ready for the bluntness of that scene. And I think I would have gone back to see the movie again and, and probably as, uh, absorbed it a little bit better, but it turned into a fucking war. <laughs> I had personal messages, mm-hmm. you know, calling me out as a hypocrite. I'm like, how am I a hypocrite? I've never wanted Superman to be a killer. I'm, I don't understand. And anybody who was on, you know, who didn't immediately swallow it was decried a hipster Superman fan. That was the one that got to me. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, all right. Well, well, this may actually get me in trouble with some people, but, you know, I'm going to put it out there anyway. Superman, really, he shouldn't, he, he, he shouldn't kill people. It's as simple as that. And when we're talking about things like, bank robbers or purse snatchers car thieves and stuff like that there's a criminal justice system out there that's absolutely capable of dealing with those people i mean not only should he not kill those people it's beneath him to kill those people right Mm -hmm. i get that but when superman is face to face with an existential threat this guy lives everybody else dies those were the stakes that he's playing for honestly that is the textbook definition of a job for Superman, because that's a choice that literally only he can make. And so I realized that, you know, this whole no-kill policy, it's uh, it's been a part of his character now for a very long time. And that's great, but I think it's not so much uh, his code of honor. It's an ideal. And there are circumstances where you know what a man has got to rise above principle well yeah if somebody breaks into my house at 3 a.m and tries to harm me or my wife or my dog do i have a problem beating them down no and that that i I had kind of become somewhat okay with it but it was just all the backlash brought out just this it, it brought out the bullied kid in me is what it did and i started swinging and a lot of the things i did i'm like man i'm being an asshole and I wish that I had, you know, stepped back, got my bearings, gone to see the movie again, do a more critical view. And I wish a lot of people had done that, too, on that, by that same token. 
Because when I went back months later, because it wasn't until everything died down, I mean, this put me, this brought schisms in the fandom like I hadn't seen it. And, you know, I mean, it, it was like a fandom civil war. And I don't think that's completely gone away either. No, because you'll still see the arguments now. But finally, months later, when it quieted down, I'm like, you know, I am a, a lifelong fan. I have truth, justice in the American way literally tattooed on my arm. Oh, wow. I have an Alec, Alex Ross tattoo on my back. I have a Superman tattoo. I'm a fan. I deserve to find some sort of enjoyment in this movie, at least something. And, you know, it was my friend Lee Busby that I, I did Pad Smash with that said, was it that moment that poisoned you for the whole movie? And I had at first I'm like, no. And I had to think it through. I'm like, maybe it was. Maybe I need to give this a clean slate and go in. The differentiation, I think, has made that made the difference was my initial viewing was in 3D. Ugh. So I'm probably not in the best of moods because I've got the headache. I didn't have my glasses on underneath it. I went to the 2D showing at a discount theater. And you know what? I started picking up on that, this. I mean, there's so much subtlety. For as much as it's given criticism of being very unsubtle, I don't think that's a completely fair criticism. I mean, some places, yeah, you have the Jesus picture behind him in that certain scene. Yeah. We get it. But I, I started enjoying it so much more and seeing what kind of story it actually was. It wasn't the story I had written in my head. It wasn't so much a straight-up superhero story. This is a first contact story, which fits. This is a biblical parallel. Fits. And suddenly I'm like, this is this is an accomplishment in some ways. It's not the Superman movie that I wanted, but maybe it's the one I deserved. And suddenly I just, by the time it hit home video, I started falling in love with the movie. Well, and, and, and that's the whole thing. What I just said a minute ago and what you said just now does not fit into some little snarky... Uh, a message board post or a Facebook comment or something like that. It's harder to get to, to communicate those sorts of ideas. And, you know, even if it was only to, you know, just have this just fucking epic podcast that has all of these different people on it, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that I kind of wish maybe, maybe we need it. You know, maybe what we should have done is just said, you know what, what we're going to do is just hammer out our differences, get on, or not even hammer out our differences, just communicate our points of view. It's not even about persuading somebody at that point. And I feel like, you know what, if we had, if somebody had organized something like that, as big a pain in the ass as it probably would have been, but if somebody had been, had organized something like that, and everyone could have just gotten it out of their system, if nothing else, then I've, I kind of feel like we would all relate to each other very differently right now. But it's just, it kind of feels like now people, everybody, no matter how they, no matter how they feel about it, even if it's to say, well, I thought it was just okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Now everybody's walking on eggshells, and I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer to that to that would have been. But well, anyway. to, and I hate to say this. I mean, I'm 36, which isn't old, but I sometimes feel old when I talk about fandom. You go back. I mean, when I first started fandom, when I was 14, with Batman Returns, right. that's a really good example. These discussions were had fast face to face. You went into your LCS. You talked to the people that worked there because you knew them, other people around. You had a real conversation, and if that got heated, that got heated. I mean, I've, I've seen many. <laughs> we had a character around town named Craig, and if you were having any conversation, he was not only going to jump in, he was going to jump in loudly and violently. Not physically, but oh, emphatically. Well, so that's... now you have, that, you have that same interaction, but you're bringing in a global audience who can hide behind a computer screen. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm innocent. I'm not being hypocritical because I was an ass. I know that. And I feel bad for some of the things I did. I feel justified in others. I'm not going to bother to make the difference here or make the clarification. But right. the, the whole thing is, had like you said, if we'd sat down face to face and it really was, it might have been a heated argument. But you wouldn't I, have questioned somebody's maternal lineage. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> We, uh, you know, the, the, the things that started swaying me to really give it a chance were the score, because I just kept listening to him like, this is such an awesome score. And of all people, Max Landis. Because Max Landis, he talked very clearly about what was wrong with the movie and what could have been. And I'm like, you know, and I started disagreeing with him. And it was respectful because, you know, Max Landis did that whole Death of Superman thing that brought out the ire of any Superman fan for a while. Uh, yeah. But slowly, he's begun winning me over because he did one response to the movie about how superheroes should be superheroes and not rock stars. And he did this whole pitch for the death of Superman for the new 52. I'm like, okay, I've misjudged this guy by a millimeter. I still think he's kind of a hipster douche, but I think he knows the character in a way. But he it spurred me on that he was having this thought out argument about it. And that was missing on the on the forums, on the facebook on twitter so i'm like okay i need to be a rational human being and watch this movie and make a more educated opinion of it well keep in mind though and as far as max landis is concerned it's not like i have anything against him personally it's not like i know him or anything like that i couldn't pick him out of a police lineup if my life depended on it but think about what he led with for just a minute all right his main introduction to most people i've never heard of the asshole before his main introduction for most people was that snarky, sarcastic death of Superman thing, that, and it had like Jessica Simpson in it, I think was in it, uh, Elijah Wood and some other people. It was basically all of his – basically everybody he had on his little speed dial at the time, and I guess they had nothing better to do that afternoon, and so they you know, pitched in with his little video and everything. That was his introduction to most fans. I don't think most yes. people – ever knew who he was before that and that's that's your greeting i mean that's like somebody comes to the comes to your lcs and uh, you're showing them pictures of uh of your girlfriend's like oh hey i remember I, I yeah i fucked her back in high school yeah yeah how is she these days <laughs> like that's how you meet the guy right and it, it, it almost doesn't matter what he says after that you don't fucking like him <laughs> you know and i'm that's kind of where we are i think with max landis you know he fucked our girlfriend back in high school yes he did <laughs> and I, maybe that's not the best analogy I could have used, but damn it, that's the first thing that came to mind, and I'm not editing it out. But so, like, I guess what I'm saying is, if you had harsh feelings about the guy to begin with, just think about what the introduction was there. I put a lot of that on him, a lot more than I do on you. But the whole, I guess, like, the fact is, you know, one of the things that I do kind of stand by in, in all of this is, I feel like there is a contingent of fans, and you know what? What we can argue about is how big it is. What we cannot argue about is whether or not it fucking exists, because I know it does. Mm-hmm. This, this section of fan, or this breed of fan, that as far as Superman in live action is concerned, they have built this thing up so much around, I guess, the myth that is Christopher Reeve, that anything that is not Christopher Reeve, or or, Rich, or for that matter, even specifically Richard Donner, they're just not going to be on board with. And 
actually, I may end up deciding to edit that out. But you know, that's no. just that's just kind no, of the but way. That, but that's a that's a valid point, though. Don't edit that out. I can speak to that because I love Superman the movie. However, and uh, this will kind of I'll talk a little bit about Superman Returns as well. Superman the movie was fantastic. It's a part of my childhood, a big part of it, a big part of my fandom. However, when it came time for Man of Steel, it was like, let's leave this at the door. This is a sentimental favorite. It's not a perfect gem, but I love it. I'm going in to see a different Superman. And if you went in with that baggage to Man of Steel, if you tried to compare those two movies, not only are you hurting both movies, you're hurting your experience because these are apples and oranges almost. Right. We're like apples and pears, so. All right, fair enough. And then Superman Returns was playing on that, and it worked on me because I loved this, the Christopher Reeve movies. And I went in, and I, I, we talked about this off air at one point on Facebook. I went in, and I loved Superman Returns at that first midnight viewing. A few days later, though, I went back and saw it in IMAX, and I started to realize, oh, my word, what is this abomination? The plot doesn't make sense. <laughs> No. Ralph is okay. He's not the worst Superman, <laughs> but I kind of agree with a lot of your criticisms. I mean, I have met him in person, but yeah, he's mostly torso, very wooden. That's really how he talks. But uh, the plot is undecipherable. So Lex Luthor is doing a land grab. He's going to create real estate and kill the people who would pay for the real estate. And as far as we can tell, this isn't even fertile real estate. How are you going to grow food? Exactly. <laughs> And there was no real climax. Um, yeah, the first time I, it played on my nostalgia, and I, I think I described it correctly as a camp counselor who takes you into a private bunk, and then years later you realize what exactly occurred. Yeah. Outside of well, the plane sequence, most of the movie is forgettable. Well, and you know what? <clears throat> what I like to do with um, whenever I'm talking to somebody about Superman in film, right? And I mean more recently, right? Mm -hmm. What I usually like to do is say, okay, you saw Superman Returns, correct? And, then, and of course, the answer is, yeah, of course. I'm like, okay, so what did what did you think about it? Plain, the, the, the plain sequences, if it's not the first thing they say, they get to it no later than number three, right? And I've only, that even that's rare. Usually, if it's not number, number one, it tends to be the second thing that they mention, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I said, okay, now, you saw Man of Steel, right? So, yeah, all right. Do you remember how the flying sequences were done in Man of Steel? He's like, yeah, you know, everything was really tight and close up and all that stuff. And I said, exactly. So, imagine the plane rescue. Now, for, for the moment, just forget about anything else from Superman Returns. Just think about the plane rescue, right? How might that have played out if Zack Snyder had directed it? Oh. <laughs> And invariably, I mean, you, you get like their eyes get wide like plates and they're like, holy shit, what that might have been like, you know, with all the close ups and the speed and the, the, the wind rushing around and all this. stuff. And who the hell knows? Actually, there's no way to know what he would have done with it. But the, but the point is, you can compare that scene somewhat in terms of like how dynamic it is and moving to the scene in Man of Steel when Superman learns how to fly. And what might those two have been like? Well, if that's your judge, if that's your base of comparison, that bit from Man of Steel where he learns how to fly, actually starts flying. I just happen to think that, you know, whatever other problems the movie may have, what with the script, with the cast, or, or just the, some of the really cheap looking effects or just whatever else, it's the director. You know, it, it, this was just the wrong guy 
for this movie. And anyway, and so usually whenever, what I find is that if you make that analogy, or that comparison, I should say, people tend to get it. So, <sighs> so um... <laughs> well, the thing is about Brian Singer is I was slightly encouraged because X-Men was good. X2 was excellent. And we were still, no, we hadn't quite had uh, X3 yet with Brett Ratner. So Singer was still on my good list for the most part. Um, and I get that, but, and I can't, and you know what? I, I the, you know, I said something a, a, a while ago and I didn't actually elaborate on it, but when I said that the minute he was announced as the director, I just had a, I have a, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, <laughs> I never actually said why. And the fact is, I couldn't even tell you why. I don't know why. All I know is that there was something about that announcement. I thought, wow, this I don't think is going to work out very well. I don't think it's going to work. But it's not that I, did. I actually I thought X, the first X-Men movie was just okay. I really don't see what the hype is about with that movie. It's all right. It's not it, great. It was the time. We've had a lot of comic book movies since then, like Spider-Man. Uh, we've had, I mean, we've had a ton of them since then. At the time, they were few and far between, and the idea that they were even doing an X-Men movie that was in any way, shape, or form resembling the comic mm-hmm. was jaw-dropping. So right. it, was pre, it was pre-Sin City before they just took the comic and put it on the screen. Yeah, God, and I loved that. But, um, yeah. but then, you know, I saw X2, and I have to be honest, like, the joke I, I remember somebody making, it was about September... October of something, 2003. Uh, he said, wow, the only sequel this summer that didn't completely suck was X2. Who saw that one coming? Because <laughs> you know, that was the summer of The Matrix, and, and there was a bunch of other stuff, too. And it's like, wow, this is the only sequel this summer that didn't suck. Who would have guessed? It's true, though. <laughs> and um, and I, I didn't completely relate to that. But at the same time, I went into X2 basically expecting the first X-Men, but more so. Right, and I didn't get that. I got X fucking two, and I'll, I just I, I don't look. I don't. It's it's hard for me to quantify exactly what I thought that movie was gonna be, but dude, that it it was just not at all what we got, and and I mean that in a good way. I was expecting something okay. It gave us I don't know as I'd go so far as to call it a masterpiece, but it's fucking awesome, right? Yes, it is. I had a unique experience with x2 actually oh tell me more tell me more did she put up a fight <laughs> no i was working with a website that was at that time called um oh it's gone now but we, we got absorbed into underground online which is now gone but i had just started interviewing creators my first one up was chris claremont oh and most of the time you just did these by email and the guy and my editor was like sorry you're gonna have to do this by phone i'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> Do oh. I get to talk to Chris Claremont? Drat. Yeah, and he had done the novelization, so I talked with him for like an hour. So I'd read the novelization as prep. So I went in expect, and it has a slightly altered ending. In that, I mean, I don't know if we need spoiler warnings for ten-year-old movies, but Jean Grey didn't die in the novelization. No shit. Yeah. So everything that last five minutes that you know kind of makes every fanboy swoon with the image of the phoenix in the water. Oh. Complete surprise. So, I mean, I went in kind of expecting sort of... She went blind in the novel, so I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen. And there were... Still, I mean, I still associated with the fact that I just talked to Chris Claremont. And that man can talk. (laughs) I'll bet. Man, that must have been a hell of an... God, can you imagine having him on a podcast? God, that would be fucking awesome. 
I still have the mini tape when I talked with him. If I can figure out a way to get that digital. Talk to Chris Honeywell. He can do it. Really? Yeah, he knows how to. This is mini tape? Yes. I, uh, he, if he, if he can't do it himself, he can tell you how to do it. Uh, I don't know. I, basically, I think, actually, you know what? You may not even have to talk to him. I reserve the right, and I'm sure this is just um, thrilling podcasting, um, but I think there's something that you can, that you can buy from uh, the sharper image. And it's basically, it's hard to describe, except it's, it, it's sort of like this, all media center is maybe the way to put it. it it can play vinyl it can play mini disc it can play cd basically if it's any type of audio cassette tape anything i think basically anything and it the but what makes it cool is that it can digitize all of that stuff on the fly you connect a little usb cord into the back of it poof there it is now it, it now because it can play vinyl if that if that tells you some a little bit about the dimensions of this thing it's a kind of a big son of a bitch but i'm t- i remember seeing something like that at least as recently as like about three years ago it was there then i would be shocked if they don't have something like that now so that may actually be now i don't know i don't remember how much it's like 75 dollars or something like that but how fucking cool is it just to have something like that anyway that plays everything everything <laughs> And so, um, anyway, I mean, so just some little something, something to think about. I would love to hear your conversation with Chris, Chris Claremont. I realize it wasn't really a podcast as such to begin with, but still, I bet there was, I bet there's some cool shit in there. So. Probably, I, except I had to transcribe that, and I, I just looked it up to make sure it's still out there. And it's a long. I even cut it short, so, so I'm like, I'm tired of typing. Oh wow! But we only had cell phones, so I had one cell phone in a drawer in my room with the recorder. The other cell phone to just give it distance. I had I was basically sitting in my car doing the interview on the phone mm-hmm. and recording it. So, jeez, I had to MacGyver it. So, so yeah, that was uh, that may have led me to liking X2 more than it deserved. But I I rewatched it not too long ago, and I just it felt like a normal X Men story where you have the same setup, the, the Chris Claremont setup where uh oh Professor X is in trouble, X Men gets split, they have inven- uh, different adventures, come back together in the end the standard template mm-hmm. anyway so <laughs> anyway so are we good here yeah it's up to you okay well uh what i you and i originally talked about was about uh 30 maybe 40 or 50 60 minutes and then that's it we're closing in on an hour and a half so i've already yeah, imposed okay. on your time quite a bit here so i want you to tell everybody where they can find you uh daredevilpodcast.com or if you're into the social networks there is a page on facebook uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Dave Weeder, the ever creative name. Um, there's also a Tumblr, Dave's Dare, DaredevilPodcast.tumblr.com. And generally, I'm, I'm around town if you're looking. All right. All right. And uh, you also do the um, you also put updates on your own Facebook page about when new episodes come out or even just the, the stuff that you're reading at that moment. Yep. And that stuff is always just it, it's really cool. I mean, it. it it doesn't matter how many times I've read that particular issue. It always just pushes the fanboy buttons, knowing that other people are uh, are out there reading it too, and it just it feels good, you know. And if you're into nerd geography, Dave's Daredevil podcast is probably the show for you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fire up Google Maps. So, all right. Well, uh, then I think that's it. I think that's it for right now. So, also want to invite everyone to come back next week. I'm going to be talking about. Strangers in Paradise, the miniseries by Terry Moore, three-issue miniseries. 
And then following that, I've got some other stuff that's coming up. Now, one of them that I'm really excited about is... Uh, it, it's basically me and Scott Rifen shooting the shit, just like J. David Weeder and I have right now. It's going to be me and Scott Rifen. That's going to be May the 6th. I've got quite a bit of things coming up between Strangers in Paradise and then, I guess, Shoot the Shit Volume 2 with Scott Rifen. So there's that to look forward to. But those are the two things that, you know, are really on my radar right now. So that's pretty much that, and I will talk to you all next week. Oh my god, I'm J. David Weeder. I haven't podcasted for 36 hours. I need to make a podcast. I have to do this. Maybe something Golden Age. I need a partner. Golden Age, podcast obsessed. Got it. John's John's Toilets and Toiletries. John, we need to make a new podcast. A new podcast? I haven't podcasted in a whole day. I need a new podcast. Well, I've been listening to a lot of David Bowie lately. Let's do Starman and his Golden Age adventures. Ooh, who who was the artist on Starman? What's that Jack Burnley? Yes, we should cover Jack Burnley's run on Adventure Comics and Starman. Okay, I have just the perfect guy because I know another guy who loves Jack Burnley. So let me call Charlie Niemeyer and see if we can get him on a three-way here. Hi, what's up? Charlie. Charlie. Ah. We need you to do a limited series podcast monthly at starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. Are you available? Uh, monthly? Well, Starman, that's Jack Burnley, right? Oh, heck yes, I'm available. This podcast is go. The Starman Observatory, covering Starman's Golden Age adventures. Monthly at starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice, blind justice, a guardian devil. (coughs) No, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's, it's my Daredevil, you get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com, which is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can also find it on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. 
There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I've put them up. You can friend me on Facebook by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-S-M-A-G-N-U-S-S. You can email me and my parole officer at TrentusMagnus at gmail.com, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Did you know? You can sponsor any episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a cut of what you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it really helps the freaks out. You get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promo section. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy. Yeah, apparently Nightcrawler has two dicks. Well, what are you going to do? Are you, are you envious? No, creeped out maybe is the better way to put it. <laughs> but you know, I, I for, who who was the co-creator or creator of Nightcrawler? Was that Dave Cockrum or Dave Cockrum? Yeah. All right. Well, that was just something that um that came out in some interview. He's like, uh, you know, Nightcrawler. He's got two eyes, two ears, two toes. You know what else he has to of? <laughs> but you know, it's a mutant. Who's to say, right? So. But you've you've got two, and you're still fitting it in spandex. Right, and I don't know. It's just, I, and you know, actually, I maybe I maybe I'm taking him a little more seriously than he intended. Maybe that was supposed to be a joke, but uh, now that I think about it, yeah, you're like right there in the middle of it, aren't you? We kind of get all everybody else's crap. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of like yesterday. Maybe it's just something in the water, dude. I don't know, but what happened was. I hit the road, basically needed to go to Taco Pizza Bell Hut to pick up some food before I had this other thing that's going on, right? So on the way there, and, I, and it's one thing to see something like this on the freeway, right? But I saw fucking, I saw a barbecue just 
on the road, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> no, and it, it basically what had happened was, in my mind, the way it went was there was this huge, just fucking epic wreck that happened. Whatever this person was smoking at the time or whatever they ran into, it was just bad mojo, I guess. The, so, you know, the cars just fucking lit up like Christmas, right? And like I said, it's one thing to see that on a freeway. Just for some reason, I guess that's where I'm conditioned to see it. To see it, like, on, like, more like thoroughfares and stuff like that, that's a little bit different, right? Which is, so that's weird. Yeah. And then wake up this morning and I find and I find out that last night, this Domino's pizza that's near my house, some dumb son of a bitch tried to rob it and he got blown away for his troubles because this is Texas and everybody yeah. has, <laughs> has guns here. So, you know, I, there are be better places, like if you must do armed robbery, there are better places for it. And I guess no one told him. And so, yeah, he's not with us anymore. <laughs> and I'm thinking all of this happened within like two or three square miles of my house, which is a very quiet, very low incident neighborhood. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on out there, man? 